Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Ready? It's the Roundtable with me, Robert Bannon. Welcome to the Roundtable, everybody. My name is Robert Bannon. You're listening to us on the Broadway Podcast Network, or you're watching us on the Roundtable virtual talk show on YouTube. You know, we love to talk about artists and art. And the other day, I went to one of my favorite theaters to see a show in all of New York City, which is the Vineyard. And we have seen some beautiful works there. And I'm a political science major who went to college during the Obama. Uh, election. And I saw social media and the way it influenced that. I did my thesis on celebrity endorsements and how that changes politics. Then we lived through the past, I don't know how many years, six, seven, and the elections of the few, Russian bots, people making false claims. What is going on in this world? Well, the show is here to tell you all about what's going on in this world with this incredible cast. Renata Friedman is here. Hadi Tabal is here. And we're here. We're ready to talk. <laughs> Robert, I can't believe you're a political science major. That's amazing. I'm a, well, when I didn't want to be a singer or an actor anymore at 18, because I had a bad audition for Rent, I went to the next... <laughs> I went to the next best thing instead of show business, which I think is politics. It's the same thing. And, and uh, here we are. So we never really went that far. You both are in the show right now, which everyone needs to grab a ticket and see Russian Troll Farm, you know, uh, a workplace comedy. Um, can you tell us a little bit, Renata, how did you end up, how did you get to this show? What was your journey to being a part of this show? My journey was sort of surprisingly long and winding. I was uh, invited to do, I think, the very first workshop of it in 20... Oh, we got a little background noise. No worries. It's a party. I hear <laughs> um, do you. Want me, do you want to ask me that question again? <laughs> yes. How did you... How did you... How was your journey to being a part of this show? I was invited to do a super early workshop of it at New Dramatist that I... Uh, unfortunately wasn't able to do, but I was able to do the next workshop in 2020, uh, which was during COVID. So we did a week long workshop um, with Sarah. And at the time the director was Elizabeth Williamson, who's our current dramaturg and Jared okay. Mitsaki, who is the incredible designer of all of the video work you see in the show. 
So I did that workshop. We did an online presentation of that. Uh, and then I was invited to do the next full production of it, which was at Jiva in Rochester, which was just exactly a year ago. So I did that production. And now a year later, here we are. And here we are, Russian Troll Farm, a workplace comedy, which you can see, you know, right now. And if you're before we get to to continue this on, you can go to vineyardtheater.org. If you're listening to us, that's theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E. And the link is below. And well, we'll get to your past in a minute, Renata. We'll get to we'll get to some more <laughs> about you in a moment. Hadi, how was your how was your journey to being a part of this show? You know, I'm 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 kind of one of the newest people to the show. I uh, I joined the play uh, two months ago. Uh, maybe a bit more than two months ago, but it just came to me just usual way. It just was an appointment or an audition, actually. I did not know anyone in the show. Um, and I just, I just, I just joined the family and it's been fantastic. So I'm new and I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. Well, it is a tour de force. It's as relevant as you can possibly be. Um, and, you know, it's written by Sarah. I don't want to say her name wrong. Renata, how do you say her name? Sarah Gancher. Thank you, Sarah Gancher. And what writing? What writing? When you read this script for the first time, both of you, what did you think about the language, the the rhythm, the the, the whole arc of this whole story? I have worked with Sarah before. I worked on a show with her that Rachel Chavkin directed about six, seven years ago. So I was familiar with her style. Um, and I think one of the things that draws me to her work so much is her use of comedy, her sort of very sly use of comedy to tell a story. Um, and in our case, the story we're telling is not <laughs> a particularly happy story. In fact, it's, it's very much a tragedy, but she finds a way to tell it in a sort of hilarious way that I think really makes an audience listen. So I would say her very savvy use of comedy is is the thing that makes it most interesting for me. And what do you think, Hadi, when you read the script for the first time? I, I'll tell you. Can you still hear me? Just because my earphones are weird. Um, I when I, I was doing a show in DC, it was a Shakespeare show, and I remember reading it, and then I remember thinking, oh, okay, wow, that was something something new. And then I thought, oh, I wonder if like, I fit in this. I don't know. And then I didn't take any action until a few days later because I couldn't stop thinking about it. It's one of those things that just stick to you. And that's when I knew that, no, I have to. I have to pursue this. And so um, and so it, it's one of those things that I think the, it's, it's, it's a piece that is on the page super special. And then I'm discovering how special it is on the stage, too. So. Um, yeah. No. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, it's hard to talk about the show when people have not seen the show. So you're going to have to go see the show, and then we're just going to have to have a little roundtable talk back <laughs> because because I don't want to give anything away, and I don't want to. But it is it, it like I said, it's it's. I never thought I never thought about the perspective that you're telling on stage before. It's so smart and fascinating. We're sometimes so used to our viewpoint, and there's another place in the world and viewpoint, and ooh, it's a yeah. And your cast, Renata, this cast is pretty stacked from top to bottom. There's a lot of television, film, Broadway, off-Broadway credits. What was it like when you all got together for the first time, this particular cast, and started the rehearsal process? 
Um, well, it was absolutely fabulous. I mean, it's it's an incredible group of not only comedians but real sort of technicians of language, you know. And it's so incredibly interesting to, um, for example, with Hattie to hear the way he is sort of reinterpreting lines that I've heard many many other actors do in various workshops and productions and. Um, yeah, I feel like we've just, with the assistance of Christine and Hattie, really distilled the play into its sort of purest form, and it's been thrilling. Hattie, how about you? I have to tell you, just being, I remember uh, the first day, um, there's something about being in a room that's charged with people who are really good at what they do, and that's what it felt like from the beginning. Um, uh, I mean, from, from our technical team, also from our director, who's terrific, who's kind of sitting by me right now, but I don't want him to hear me. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, you know, you have, I had not met Renata yet or John or Haskell, who have been with the show for a while and are absolutely fantastic in it. And, um, and also it was, it, it, what it felt like was to, you're in a room with excellent uh, artisans and also you are in a room with people as someone who joined the process later uh, felt very welcoming but also they're so good at what they do and i did not know any of them before that i actually my first impression of them was them reading their parts and that has stuck and i actually think of their character names first or their real names which is totally embarrassing and stupid but it's also totally understandable given the way i met them so yeah. that's how it felt so that's that's Masha. That's not that's not Renata to you. Yeah, that exactly. saying? I mean, I really have to like take a second every every time. <laughs> John's team maybe like twenty five times. <laughs> you bring up your director for musical theater fans out there in the world. You know, the Tony winning director. If if, if everyone, a gentleman's guide to love and murder. Um, and then this style is is it's all very unique. So what was what was the directing? How much? I'm always curious as a nerdy actor. Renata, like how much of this work did you do on your own and bring to the stage and how much of it was directed and, and is it is it a good marriage? Is it is it one side versus the other? How does how did it work for you in this process? I really don't have a satisfying answer for you because okay. it's just such a jumble in my head. Um, it's very collaborative, though. Absolutely. I mean, I think Darko hired us because we bring so many ideas to the process. Um, and he's always massively delighted when John comes up with something absolutely hilarious and also massively delighted to say, no, no, <laughs> tell us when it doesn't work. But I mean, there's so much about comedy that um, overlaps with musical theater. I mean, I, I certainly am not a musical theater person. I really only do plays. But in terms of rhythm, um, I think there is a lot of symbiosis going on um, between us and the director. Yeah, I, I, I have to say working with Darko a bit sometimes feels like, uh, like I mean, he's done so much musical and so much opera. It feels there's there's something so rhythmic about his work that is very exciting to watch and also to be part of because you, uh, especially if you're musically inclined in any way, you, I feel that I understand the rhythm of what he's trying to do. And that is exciting. Um, and also you, you feel like you have your place as an actor, but also you have kind of been, and because the show is also heavy on the tech side, because it's so exciting visually, you feel you're also part of this like bigger world that Darko is kind of orchestrating like a big massive opera, which is also so thrilling. 
Oh yeah, I'm sure tech is a, a was a production. It is a it is a lot of um, technical elements. It's not your uh, stereotypical off Broadway little black box, uh, little you know a folding chair and a black curtain kind of show. Tickets start at only thirty five dollars, so it's it's affordable. It's a good date night. Come on Valentine's Day or Valentine's weekend or I don't know President's weekend or whatever. It it, it runs till February twenty fifth, so you got to grab your tickets while you can. You got you individually. Renata, a little you individually as an artist, you, your uh, your New York credits and your regional credits and your television credits and et cetera. I'm coming from NYU and, and going to Tisch School. How much of that education when you were a young actor and you were just starting out, do you still use a lot of theater students watch this show? Do you still use some of the toolboxes when you get a script that you learned and 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 still is it important the, the training you got that led you to today? So much. And I've been actually thinking about that a lot because uh, my acting studio at NYU was at 890 Broadway. I don't know if you know that space. It's yeah. this legendary rehearsal space. And, you know, we're a couple blocks away at the Vineyard and I used to walk those blocks to get to school every day. So I've actually been thinking about NYU a lot. Um, I use pretty much all of it, uh, all the training. Uh, I was in the Meisner studio at NYU and then later the classical studio. Um, I use different combinations of those techniques and methods in different ways for different roles. Some become more important um, depending on the play, but absolutely, I found that training so invaluable and I'm still learning more. Um, I'm working with a breathwork and a voice coach right now um, and exploring like a brand new um, sort of acting breathwork method just for the show that I'm, I've been playing with. So yeah, I mean, it never stops. And I'm, I'm using all of those things I learned at NYU. There, Meisner Studio that will do repetition after this interview is over. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, the most, before we get to, to, to Hattie's life story, you 200 plus audiobooks <laughs> you can put us to sleep. That voice is so, I just can listen to it and instantly. Oh. Throw my Xanax in the garbage. I can just listen to you. Uh, that's so nice. I mean, yes, that's here we have our my fancy audiobook microphone. Yeah, audiobooks have been a, a, a real uh, sort of life-changing part of my career because it's allowed me more flexibility in terms of the choices I make with what acting jobs I take. Can I ask you an, a trashy audiobook? Yeah, go for it. Give it. Bring it. What happens when you have to read this 500-page book and it is the boringest most <laughs> and you uh, <laughs> just think like it pays my bills what is how do you get you through know, it i actually i'm fortunately at a place in my life where i'm saying i'm saying yes to the jobs that come my way so i can be picky with the audiobooks um so i say no if it's if it's nonfiction that's going to require endless um endless research about pronunciation of real people names or foreign words or any of that i just no too much work i i do a lot of like fantasy and fiction and young adults and lots of dragons, lots of fairies. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, so that, and people, if you think it's easy to, to be a voiceover actor or do an audio book, then try it out. It's not, it's not as easy. It's an acquired skill for sure. How do you, done the off-Broadway, been at the big, all the fancy spots, like the public, and then you have done the New York television gambit. Like we we can see you on the procedurals and we can see you on the sets around New York and also an MFA from the New School for Drama. So how about your education? How did your education prepare you for? Uh, 
honor to prepare me. I mean, look, I think I think a lot of, you know, I I came to the states as an immigrant basically. So um, the the first like the first biggest experience with, with with being in the theater here was actually school. So it has its impact, right? I mean, it's the first the first four years of your life living you know in a totally different country and a totally different place. But also, I think what's happened is I've had the chance to work with some people over the past 10, 15 years who have been formative. Um, mostly, I can think of Mark McDavid, who runs the NYU grad program. I, that was, you know, the play I, I did the public <clears throat> two years ago, we worked on for 10 years. So I kind of had like an NYU grad education by just, I mean, I've heard every golden thing that came out of his mouth over a decade. You know, and then you work with people, you learn. I think at the end of the day, what you care about is to kind of... Um, be true to yourself and also to the material and what it's trying to say and make sure you're not hitting false notes, you know, you're hitting true notes. And what that means is different in every production, which is why it's so exciting what we do, because what 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 is truthful means very different things in different places. And so um, I think, yeah, and, and, you know, there's something about this show that is, um, uh, I love that we're in Union Square. I love that we're at the Vineyard. And, and, and you know, I, it has a New York sensibility to it that is so strikingly particular and um i think everyone here has a new york sensibility in, in in the room and i think you know there's something in new york in the show i don't know what it is and so or maybe i do but but yeah so all of that comes into play oh yeah I, well i love it down there it's it's a fun you can there's good places to eat it's a fun date night kind of place and it's a fun evening out spot there's no elmos that are asking you to take a picture with them like in times square <laughs> You know, all the cool kids are off Broadway somewhere right now. Renata, when you, without giving away the, the plot of the show and the story, it we are in a primary season. There is a general election coming up. There is presidential noise and nonsense going on every single day, as and louder by the day. What do you hope the message of this show kind of is? I hope that everyone who sees it walks away with more of an awareness of the ways they could potentially be manipulated by social media. Um, one of the, I think, surprising elements of and true elements of this story is that the trolls in Russia were not only working to um, affect the outcome of the 2016 election, but they were intending to create tumult and um, discord and anger and rage across the spectrum in America. So they were posing as people on both ends of the political spectrum and I think that there is a feeling that if you are more of a liberal human or on the left, you're being somehow less manipulated by your social media, but that's absolutely not true. Um, and I think, especially with what's happening in the world right now, the way posts are being reshared, the way AI is manipulating things, uh, we just have to be incredibly cautious about everything that we ingest. And, and remember that what we see on social media is not necessarily news, true news. Yeah. How do you want to add to that? What do you... you know, one of the things I find thrilling about this play and what I want people to take from it is truly the um, becoming a bit more cautious about how we receive narratives and stories. Um, what is what is the most exciting thing about this play, I think, is you see five characters who are, you know, they're trolls. They're basically doing something that, um, on, on the, <clears throat> that is clearly not a good thing to do without spoiling the show. But they are also people who are not terrible people. But they're also people who are spinning stories that, because they're spinning stories that are not true, that people receive and think are true, regardless of where they are on the spectrum. 
And it's, I think, given the past, you know, this past decade, I, you've, we, you know, all of us, I think, in, in this room and beyond have had such crazy conversations with people about what they believe. And regardless of what they believe, uh, and, you know, from, you know, from both sides of the spectrum, as Renato was saying, it is, it is so, it is so interesting to me when I, when I see how little awareness some people have about how they receive their beliefs. And I hope that people can see the show and become a bit more understanding of the way they receive stories and narratives and what power these things have. Uh, because they come from personal places and they're received in personal ways that are sometimes very, that are very opaque to us. And I think this play makes that very clear. So that is exciting. That is super exciting. Wait, Robert, can I ask you a question since you're a political science major? Oh boy. Yes. You can. <laughs> well, no, I'm just curious what what you sort of took from the show as as what the message was for you or what I guess what like rattled you the most about it. I'm curious. Um, I would love I I have an answer. I I did leave and I did think about it and I was really excited to talk to you all. I really wanted to talk to you all like at the, you know at the stage door at the diner <laughs> because I want to go in the nitty-gritty of it, but I never thought you know, there's a, um, oh God, uh, there's a, we are, we are, we are taught, you know, as, as an American born here and born and bred here, socialization, I, I think it's controversial that it is both sides. You know, they're, they, they are socialized to believe what they believe. And we are socialized to believe what we believe. And I don't think anyone, we think we are right here because we are here, <laughs> but I never saw the human, the human side of that side of things that there are people trying to survive make a living, do what they're being told is the right thing to do. And I wish people would understand that this is, and here it's my soapbox, but this is democracy at stake or what we think is democracy. You know, there are people fighting the algorithms that these corporations don't even know how they work are going to keep showing you false information that you believe. And then you go vote and tell people it, it kills people. It gets people to have arguments. It allows people to vote for people who are not qualified for jobs and it's on purpose. And I think there's such a huge part of the world who doesn't, still does not believe it. My fam, I'm going to call them out. My cousins will be like, I got my news on TikTok. And why are you getting your news on TikTok? Stop. It's not news. She wouldn't go in an Uber because she read how the, the amount of sexual assaults and Ubers have gone up. And I said to her, that might be true, but where did you get the information? She said, oh, I saw someone tell their story on TikTok. That's not fact. That's not a fact-based study. That is not a, a news like oh. So to see it done, not just talked about on CNN or on MSNBC or Fox News or wherever you get your news from, but to see it humanized in it, in it on stage and and people actually doing it, I think adds a whole other level that we don't get to see here in this country. I never yeah. saw it. What does it look like? Who are these people? I think we think of them in the shadows, you know, hidden in a garage somewhere. Like, a, no, you guys put a whole different spin on it. And I hope when people go see it, they realize this is this is real. You're being manipulated. There's no Pizzagate. Don't and don't eat Tide Pods. You know, like get it to people, please. I know, I know. And at the same time, it's a comedy. So if you come see funny. it, you'll laugh. It's super funny because. It's such a funny premise and topic, and you all are so brilliant in it. And um, yeah, go see it and then vote with facts. Yes. <laughs> Vineyardtheater.org. 
I love it there. I love the new work. I love the work that you're all doing. And I was so excited to talk to you all. And maybe I have to come back and maybe I then have to say, we may have to do this again. Let people yeah. see the show and then talk about it again. Cause I, I really loved it. I hope that this show is only the beginning um, for this show and for all of you. We'll be following you. There's Thanks Robert. So nice to meet you. Lots more art and work left to do. So congrats, break legs and enjoy the rest thank of the run. Thank, thank you. you Take thank care. You us. You're wonderful. Thank you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.